This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here at Family Church, downtown West Palm Beach, Florida, with my co-host Leslie Bennett and Pastor Derek Simpson, my friend of many years, and engineer Carly Seelman. Welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Glad we're all together again. And here's what we're doing at Family Church. We are about to reopen. So we have not been open since when, Leslie? Since March 8th was our last in-person service. All right. So since March 8th, like five months, we have not been back together face-to-face. We did reopen our Port St. Lucie campus, which was about 50 miles north of here two weeks ago. And now we're about to reopen a bunch more campuses this Sunday, August the 2nd. So as we're recording, this is before our first face-to-face services. And we decided, Derek, to do something a little different. We're not doing exactly what we were doing in February and March. We're doing something different. Yeah, that's right. We're calling them chapel services. So we are starting, we're trying to start small. We know we have a small group of people that are ready. We think a small group of people that we are are ready to come back. So we're doing chapel services. We're having smaller gatherings. We're going to have masks masks required for all of our gatherings. We'll sit socially distanced. And we're going to have one worship leader with a guitar or a piano or keyboard or something. And they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. We're going to pray together, take the Lord's Supper together, teach the Bible. And then we're going to go home. Yeah, so we decided to go chapel service. And Leslie, one of the reasons we did that is because as we've listened to other churches around the country, friends of ours, some of have been on our program, and we've learned that, you know, when people have regathered, they've actually had kind of a smaller percentage than they had hoped actually show up. That's right. So I think our guiding principles, which are on our website, some some of our guiding principles that we were going to listen to leadership and watch what other churches were doing and other like-minded organizations. And that's really proven to be fruitful for us because of the things that we've seen and everybody's talking about now as churches have reopened, hasn't quite leveled up to their expectations. And so I think what we're trying to do here is reset people's expectations, which I think is really wise. So we can't think we're going to go back to what it was like in February when we weren't, we were gathering church as normal for what family church was, our expression of the body of Christ. And as we gather again, it's going to look different. So we want people to know it's going to look different. It's going to feel different. It's going to be different. And also, we have to remember that we live in South Florida. And so we're in a very COVID-restricted area right now. We're actually the hot spot of the nation. Exactly. (laughs) Just 60 miles south of us is the epicenter of COVID right now. And so we actually have mask mandates from our county employees place. We have social distancing mandates. And so we're following local government officials in asking us how to meet because we think that that's the right thing to do. So those are some of the reasons that we've made this decision. Yeah. And Derek, you kind of oversee a research team that's worked really hard. We've actually sent people to different churches around our state, watching things, watching trends. They've been watching this for months now. What has your team learned about what we should expect when we regather? Yeah, so it's been really interesting just seeing how different churches have approached regathering and who they're targeting and what they, you know, what they've experienced and so everybody's experience has been a little bit all over the map in terms of who's come back and what kinds of services they've tried to offer, but 
by and large, most churches have experienced about 30% of their attendance have come back on the, on the high end, somewhere between 20 and 30% of their pre-COVID attendance have come back. Even churches in our area are doing it differently. Some are requiring masks in their gatherings. A few are not. And so uh, some have tried to come back with kids ministry, but they've seen really so far limited success in having families come back with kids. And so that's part of the reason we've opted just to come back with a family style gathering if they want, still offering the online uh, content we've been been providing and then trying to get whoever wants to come back to come back. Yeah, I know. And the kids is a really interesting thing because the kids programming, especially for a church like family church, is just a huge part of what we do. I mean, it's a massive part of what we do. We put a lot of resources into it. We, we hang our hat on it. And yet here we are in a situation where people just really aren't ready to send their kids back to church, at least not in our area. And we know that because like the public schools aren't even planning on meeting. There is no plan in place right now for the public schools to regather in person ever. I mean, I know that they will, but there's no date. There's no plan for that. That really sets a tone Mm -hmm. for our community and what people are going to do with their kids. And then even 50 miles north of here, which we thought would be 50 miles more comfortable somehow with virus risk, we did open up our Port St. Lucie campus two weeks ago with full kids programming, preschool, kids worship, and all of that. And Derek, tell, uh, other than staff kids who are there, how many kids do we have show up? I think week one, we had zero. Yeah, so zero. <laughs> staff now, and volunteer. We had a few staff and volunteer right, but kids. So, but, so, so there's yeah. a, a place where we normally have, they, they normally run between four and 500 total. They normally have about 60 children in the kids' ministry. And other than staff kids, we had zero. Leslie, what I like to say is that zero is a very low number. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what size your church is, zero, very low. We did learn something, you know, we were surprised by that. We thought we would have a low number of kids, but honestly, I just didn't anticipate the number being that low. We are learning some things about that. The other thing that I'm fascinated by is the way that this, even church reopening Church is staying open. What church is doing is politicized. So we have certain people who feel like our church is making a political statement no matter what we do. So if we don't reopen, we're making some kind of political statement. And if we do reopen, we're making some kind of political statement. And the truth is, we just want to give people who are ready and who want to an opportunity to gather face-to-face for worship while... We also provide high-quality opportunities for people to worship at home, which is where most people are going to worship for now. Because, let's see, your team, and and Carly, you helped with this too, you guys helped develop what we call our house rules. And I wonder if you just talk a little bit about how we developed those and maybe share with our listeners what some of those are. Sure thing. Well, we developed the house rules as we started about thinking about regathering. Carly, you can help me out if I don't remember well. Number one is to remember that the safest place to gather is family church at home, which is online, because we just want people to realize that we're not exactly promising safety. Like We're going to do our best to make sure that this is a comfortable place to gather, that we've taken as many precautions as we can, but we just don't feel like we can guarantee their safety if they show up around other people. So that's our number one house rule is to remember that the safest place to gather is family church at home. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. And then the second one is BYOM, bring your own mask. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, masks are required. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is that we've thoroughly sanitized our buildings, then they're, they're ready for you, and that we will remind you to keep washing your hands. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have plenty of hand sanitizing stations, hand washing opportunities, and reminders for sure. Right. Yeah. We want people to feel reassured about that. And then the one after that, number five, I believe, is to respect one another's personal space. 
Yeah. So we want people to realize that when you show up in person, that everybody does feel differently, like you said, whether it's politically motivated or people have personal reasons for feeling different, like they have elderly people that live with them and they want to be careful for them. I mean, everybody feels a little bit differently with regard to how they're personally approaching protecting themselves from the virus. So we just want people to respect one another. So even when we gather and we're welcoming people, we're going to welcome, we're going to say, it's good to see you face to face, or should we say mask to mask? Um, because yep, yep. they're going to be wearing masks. And when we encourage them to look around the room and say hello to one another, we're going to say give a wave. Just, air high five. Yeah, yep. air high five. <laughs> um, we know that you're smiling behind that mask kind of thing, but just let's respect one another's personal space because we don't want to offend one another. Yeah, because you always have that person who's trying to show everyone how unafraid of the virus they are. So they're just like sticking their hand out, pulling you in for the hug. And it's like, I'm okay with that because I'm not, I'm going to wash my hands and I'm going to, I'm not going to touch my face and I'm going to wear a mask. But the truth is a lot of people are very uncomfortable. With that. I was, I was at an event at someone's home the other night. They had a kind of a get together for a high school graduate. And there was somebody there that I did not know. And I don't think most of the people there knew. And he literally was going around just like forcing handshakes mm-hmm. on everybody. And I thought, I personally don't care, but that is like the most offensive in this environment. This is the most tone deaf, offensive. Like he was, I felt like he was literally walking around the party, making a political statement to everybody. Mm-hmm. And and I just felt like, man, that's exact. That guy right there is exactly who I don't want. Right. As a greeter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. 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 right on. So I and, think that was yeah. number four, Carly. Then number five is just reminding people that if you're not feeling well, or if you have any kind of symptoms or you're concerned about your own personal health, that you should remember rule number one, which is the safest place to worship is right. family church at home. Right. Yeah. One of the things, Derek, I've been a little interested in is the way that churches have emphasized the word safety in a lot of their kind of marketing and advertising and promotion of their services. I think that's a mistake. Yeah, Pastor, I, mean, I tend to agree with you. I, I think I certainly understand the temptation because part of, for most people that have a an obstacle to come back, safety is their obstacle. But although it's interesting, you know, yesterday I had two phone calls back to back. One with a member of our church that was pretty frustrated that we were reopening because they felt like it was not the right time and we're virus uptick. And then the next, literally the next phone call was, we're not coming back if you're going to require masks. So the reason people stay away is is, is, varied. is varied for sure. But I, I understand the sentiment because I think what you want to portray is that we're doing everything we can to create a safe environment. But uh, to say that you are creating a safe environment is is really difficult because you can't see the virus. And so I think it's a – Yeah, I, I think, and I think declaring, you know, we, we are going to keep you safe is not really possible. I mean – Look, we're going to have people touching surfaces, and they are. There is going to be some personal contact. There's going to be singing. There's going to be somebody up there preaching from the platform who's not going to have a mask on. And I don't know. I don't know how far I can spit while I'm talking, but I'm pretty sure it's far. (laughs) And I think that if safety is your number one concern, you really should worship from home. That's the safest place to do it. But I do think we need to provide these face-to-face opportunities for people for a couple of uh, spiritual and theological reasons. One, we're made to gather face-to-face. Paul even talked about the desire that he had to see the church in uh, Thessalonica Mm -hmm. face-to-face. And then, you know, Hebrews says that we should not neglect the assembly of the brethren. Now, I know that the church is people, and I know that the church is not a building, and I know that we can be the church out there even when they're not the church in here. 
But I also know that part of the purpose and part of what makes a church a church is physically gathering. Mm -hmm. It really, it always has and it always will. And so when we're not physically gathered, we really are missing a huge part of what it means to be a church family. I don't think everyone should regather right now because people aren't ready. People aren't safe. People are immunocompromised. People have vulnerable people in their homes or they are vulnerable themselves. And I think they should protect themselves the best they can and take advantage of technology and worship at home. But boy, we've got to create some opportunities to regather. And we've got to do it as safely as reasonable. So to me, like somebody said, hey, are we going to sing? So what we've decided to do, we're not having a full band and a bunch of singers and 12 people up there singing. We're having one person kind of in an unplugged acoustic with either a keyboard or a guitar playing and singing. We're shortening our singing. We're encouraging people not to sing as loud as they can, even with a mask on. Like, hey, let's just sing in a reasonable voice because we recognize that that it raises the risk when people sing. At the same time, we're distancing, we're masked, we're hand washing, we're limiting singing, we're limiting the number of exposures, we're limiting hospitality. And so I think we're doing, there's actually a group, the Christian Doctors and Dentists, I don't know what the official name of it is, but they actually have a document out there, maybe we can put that in our show notes, that actually want Christians to try to regather, but give some very helpful suggestions and guidelines for how we could do that. Yeah. And another thing we're doing too, Pastor Jimmy, along those lines is we are encouraging people to gather in their homes as Mm -hmm. well to worship, which is so they are gathering. If they're not comfortable coming to one of our buildings with a larger group of people that they don't know, another thing that people are more comfortable with is gathering with people that they actually do know. Mm -hmm. Um, Like to your party example, like the people at the party that you knew, you feel more comfortable with. The person that you don't know, you don't feel quite as comfortable with. So gathering in homes to watch the online service. We're providing some resources and some tools so they could have a discussion. So it's sort of a combination of worship and small group in someone's home. So that's something we're doing as well. Mm -hmm. Derek, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that that is an important thing we're learning is people are gathering. So they may not feel like gathering in a group of 500 people that they don't know in a tightly packed room, but people are, for the most part, most people are getting together. Yeah, I think a sm- a, an increasingly small number of people are committed to just being totally quarantined, totally locked down. More and more people are willing to gather with people that they know, just like Leslie said. And that's really emerged for us and for our region in the last month or so. That I feel like that is, that's the kind of the fastest growing demographic for us is not ready to come back to a large group of people that you don't know, but everybody's kind of created their own circle of people that they feel comfortable going to the beach, going to the park, having over for a dinner gathering, something like that. And so we're just trying to more more so than we really ever have before, trying to kind of let what people are willing to do drive what we're doing and be more responsive and reactive as a church. And so really we're just kind of responding to what people disciples have been doing naturally. They've just been having people over their home. I mean church members have been inviting neighbors, small groups have been getting together, singles, couples and so we're just trying to really encourage that more and more and give them some resources, like Leslie said, to, hey, here's here's what you, some things you can do for your kids, some things you can do after the service. Here's how to invite people. But it's all with people that, that they don't. They don't. Yeah, so this is the challenge. Like our normal, our normal impulse would be basically to start a bunch of home groups and advertise it and recruit somehow. Like, hey, you know, 100 families are going to host groups. Now, all of y'all sign up and go to one of these families. But that's the opposite of what people are going to do right now. So nobody's going to somebody's house that they don't know. No. All right. Nobody that's hosting the group wants a bunch of people they didn't know showing up at their house. So it's going to have to be kind of like organic. So, and, and 
I think it doesn't have to be large. So even if it's just two families that are going to gather regularly for worship or a group of singles, they're going to gather regularly for worship. I think that kind of accountability, that kind of fellowship, something powerful about singing together, taking the Lord's Supper together, open our Bibles, then discussing after letting our kids worship together. There's something powerful about Christians gathering with their church family for worship. And so we want to find ways to encourage that as much as we can for people who don't feel comfortable coming to the building, but would feel comfortable convening with a smaller group of people that they they feel comfortable with. Yeah, and it also gives. I also think. I mean, if if it works, right? I mean, this is kind of what a lot of a lot of churches are talking about doing. This we haven't found anybody who's actually doing it with widespread success yet. But if it works, it it really does allow your team and your staff, whatever that looks like, even your volunteers, it allows you to shepherd people in a different kind of way than if they're just by themselves, right. just in their living room. Because we know if if about thirty percent of our people are going to come face to face in our gatherings, that means 70% of them are out there doing something else. And so we think the chapel service idea allows a smaller number of our staff to really focus on the Sunday morning gathering and focus more attention to these other gatherings and homes and throughout our community. Yeah, listen, I think your team came up with the idea of the family reunion kind of theme, and then the family reunion chapel services is a great title that I think your team developed. Talk to us about why we use the term chapel services for our family reunion gatherings. Well, we just really want to communicate to people that it's going to be different, that it's not going to be what they left when they were here on March 8th, if they were here on March 8th. We don't want them to think you're coming back to exactly what was, but you're coming back to something that's going to be a little different. It's going to be more intimate. We're going to gather together for a shorter amount of time. I mean, we've communicated limited singing, Bible teaching, taking of the Lord's Supper. When we made the decision not to do kids ministry, because initially we were thinking we would Mm -hmm. open with kids ministry, like you said, because that's so important to who we are as family church. When we made that decision, we've communicated that your kids are welcome. We know that kids make kid noises, so don't worry about that. We recognize that it will be a barrier to younger families because, you know, even if you're okay with the kids making noises, like who wants to wrestle a two-year-old to the ground for 50 minutes? (laughs) So we realize that that will be a barrier for some people, but we want them to know that they are welcome if they choose to come. So those are some of the ways that we've tried to set people's expectations yeah. Well, I'm really interested to see how this all works out because here's what we've discovered as we looked around the country is that uh, most people, when they when it felt like the momentum nationally was building towards less distancing and more reopening a couple of months ago, it felt like people were starting and then building from there and people's attendance went up. People who opened at the end of May or the beginning of June, their attendance was going up through June. About the 1st of July, the wind started blowing the other direction culturally and medically and cases started going up, hospitalizations going up, deaths going up. And so from July on, almost every church we know has had actually a declining attendance through the month of July. Had one pastor of a large church, a friend of mine called me and say, man, it's so discouraging because I've never had a time in my ministry where literally every single week is less people than the previous week. And so we recognize that. We will probably experience some of that too. We'll probably have our largest attendance in August, probably be August the 2nd or maybe August the 9th. But we're going to continue through August and then we're going to push pause. We're not going to gather face-to-face on Labor Day weekend. And so we're hoping to learn through the month of August by having these smaller chapel services and learn so that then we can decide, hey, what are we going to do from there? We also have 12 campuses. And so we don't have to do a one-size-fits-all response in September. We Some campuses may be for whatever reason, have a big attendance. Well, maybe they need more services. Maybe they're going to add some musical elements. Maybe they're going to add 
kids. Maybe they're going to start to add groups. Yeah. Others, we may say, hey, for these campuses, why don't we just kind of push pause? If you guys want to gather face to face, let's combine some campuses and put them together and we'll we'll pick this back up later on. And we also are watching other large churches around the country, like Summit Church in North Carolina, a good friend J.D. Greer, or like a North Point Church in Atlanta with a friend Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley. And these guys have decided they're not meeting probably for the rest right. of 2020. The one thing that's different about family churches, we have smaller venues and smaller neighborhood churches, which puts us in a little bit different position. But we're going to have to learn and we're going to have to watch and we're going to have to see what the actual appetite is. And of course, there could always be another lockdown. And if the government closes restaurants for in-person seating and closes gyms and all of that, then we'll respond appropriately. Right. Having said all that, let me give you one more thing. Uh, we read an article by Kerry Newhoff about a month ago where he talked about why churches might could, should consider reclosing after they've reopened. And he talked about how many churches are experiencing a reverse Pareto principle when it comes to the energy it's taking. So if they're having 20% of their people showing up face-to-face and 80% doing something else, as Derek said, but their staff is spending 80% of their week and their energy putting on the face-to-face gathering for the 20%. We don't want to do that. We want to right-size our energy and efforts so that uh, we are able to give appropriate attention, both in terms of contact work, in terms of gathering them in groups, in terms of meeting their pastoral care needs, in terms of outreach. We want to pay the right amount of energy, attention, staffing, budget, resources to the people. So if most of the people are gathering online, we're going to put a large part of our resources to the people online. And we're going to try to put an appropriate right-sized amount of attention and resources toward the people who are gathering face-to-face. I don't know exactly how to do that, but that's a consideration. As we kind of wrap this up, I wonder if any of you guys have some closing words. Let's start with you, Derek. Yeah, I just think as things have come become increasingly polarized in terms of how people feel about all every aspect. I think things of, are going to relax between now and November. Don't oh, you? absolutely. Yeah, no question. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, going to de-escalate. Think, I, I think yeah. for for sure. I mean, you've got to just be prepared for that to to that to continue to escalate and continue to heighten. Finding little pockets of clarity that you can within your organization, even as small as they might be, and helping your team, your volunteers, your church people. There's so many so many areas that are not clear. If you can find pockets of clarity and really drive towards those, I think that's that's helping us. And we're some super small wins, but anytime you can find clarity, man, latch onto it and lead in that direction is a good thing. Great point. Leslie? I mean, I think one of the most important things that you've led us to think about in the recent weeks is that we're not going back to the way it used to be and that we have to figure out what the future looks like. And I love what you were just talking about with the reverse Pareto principle. I think that's so key that we have to continue to focus our energy where it needs to be focused in the appropriate ways. And so I think the way that that we've approached this a little slower, a little more methodically, as we We've listened to leadership as we've learned from other organizations, as we've been mindful of loving our neighbors. I really feel like this is a the best course that we can take at this time, and I'm excited to see what God does with it as we walk down this road. Well, listeners, if, as you're listening to this, we have not yet gathered face-to-face right. for most of our campuses. <laughs> the next episode that we'll give you a report on what happened, we'll tell you what we're already learning. And uh, we'll talk about some other things when it comes to reopening and running and leading your church through a corona apocalypse that's unprecedented. And it is very, very difficult. I love I love the idea that we ought to strive for pockets of clarity. You know, Jesus has put us in this position at this time. 
And even though it may be difficult, maybe challenging, which it is, but this is God's moment for us. And this is God's time for us to lead and to lead his church. We can do it because God's given us the task and God's will and God's desires are always possible. Hey, Church for the Rest of Us listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, shout out at us at on Twitter or on social media. Uh, give us a call. We love to connect with you and help any way we can. We love you guys. God bless. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.